Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy! We're in week number two of a message series called Keep the Change, and what we're talking about is the subject of money. Someone say money. Money. Now, before you get off the train, come on now, we clearly see in the scriptures that God has a lot to say about money. There's over 2,000 references uh, related to money, possessions, wealth, and greed. And money is something that we all have in common because we all need it. Okay, just go to the restaurant today after church and go ahead and eat. And then when they send the bill, walk out and see what happens. Okay, don't call me for your bail money. I ain't bailing you out, right? Um, You're going to need some money. You're going to need some money. And so um, we're looking at this subject because if we're not careful, money can destroy our lives, can destroy our lives. And so it must be that God has a lot to say about it because he knew that. And if we don't manage it right, it can cause sorrow and hurt and pain to those that we love. And if we don't believe that God's financial plan is so that he can bless us and not take from us, then we will live according to the culture's way of dealing with money. And so that's what we're going to build upon today uh, from last week's message. If you didn't catch it, you can get caught up and all that on the podcast. Uh, but each message in this series is building upon each other. So I want to encourage you to come out next week for part three. But as I was prepping for uh, today's message this week, uh, a reminder came up on my iPad from two years ago. Has that ever happened to you guys? Like, it's, I think it's called a time hop or something, and maybe a picture comes back up or something you posted comes back up and it reminds you. Some of the times you celebrate on that reminder. Other times you're like, dang, I gained a lot of weight. <laughs> Come on now. From, from one year ago, you're like, yeah, got that COVID-19 pounds. Come on now. Um, so some reminders, pictures, and things that you posted excite you, others don't. Well, this is one that really excited me, and I just got to share it with you. And uh, How many were here in June 2019? You were at this church in June 2019. You weren't in this building, by the way. If you think you were in this building, you were not. If you attended Fuel Church, <laughs> you were across the street. And this reminder came up of something we did. It was kind of crazy. It was kind of out of the box. And we, we sowed a $20,000 seed to help wipe out medical debt for people that we don't know. And here's what we did. Here's, here's what you and I did, those who support this church. Uh, there, this is the exact amounts. Uh, over 5, $5.2 million of medical debt we wiped out, like just wiped out. Uh, over 5,000 accounts were settled. Howard County, 3.9 million. Miami County, 1.3. And um, you say, how, how did you do that with 20,000? Well, we worked with a company who buys debt pennies on the dollar, and not to get into all that, but we were able to wipe out that debt. We sent a letter to those 5,000 some people. And the letter said a lot of things, but one of the things it said is this. As an act of love, just as Jesus forgave our debt, your debt has been forgiven. God loves you, and so do we. 
and went on to say, you do not need to contact us unless you want to. There's no strings attached to this. You don't have to come to our church, you know, nothing like that. And we just want to tell you, we love you. And um, we received a lot of letters. We did receive a lot of phone calls and we were grateful for that. That's not why we did it. We did it to show the love of God in a practical way. Um, people got that letter and were crying as they called us because they said, we didn't know how we were going to pay bills and this and that. And I, I bring this up to show you that two years ago, June, 2019, as this popped up this week on my iPad, I said, oh my gosh, God, you are so good because of the obedience of our church. I want to show you what happened. So that happened in June, 2019, just fast forward a few months to August, 2019, August, 2019 we were given our Westfield campus. It sits on 15 acres, and it was just appraised at a little over $5 million. Okay, stay with me. May of 2020, we acquired this building. We stepped into here. We were running, I don't know, I lost count, 20 services on a Sunday, I don't know. <laughs> I said, if y'all keep preaching me, if I keep preaching like that, I'm gonna be gone by the time I'm 50, y'all. Y'all got to help me here. I mean, it was crazy madness. You couldn't walk through the lobby. Uh, kids were at meeting on top of the roof. I don't even know where they were meeting. We, we were in 20 different parking lots. I mean, police everywhere. Um, we were having lots of fun over there. <laughs> but we were out of room. And we were praying, God, we need something. And um, we got this building, May of 2020. We opened it July of 2020, right? We were shut down for four months from in-person gatherings. And we opened it up in July. And then in 2021, we have now started our brand new online campus. So hang on, hang on. We're going to clap real big in a second, real big. We're going to shout, okay? Because I want you to see this, what you're a part of when you link up with God. When, when, if you support this church, we, the, if you trust the leadership of this church that said, man, we feel you know, we could have took that 20,000 and said, let's just keep saving, you know, maybe something else will come up. But we felt God say, sow it. And because of that, within two years, the Westfield campus, the Kokomo campus, the new online campus, a seed of generosity. And I thought of this scripture, Proverbs eleven twenty four. look at this, the world of the what? What does it do? The world of the stingy, what does it do? Mm. Our world got larger. Because our world got larger, there are people that are going to heaven now because you gave. There are marriages that have been restored. There are people that have been water baptized. There are people leading small groups that never thought they could lead a group. There are kids being saved. There was over 100 students at the 10 o'clock doing a water slide. I said, that's Jesus right there. Jesus loved water. He turned water into wine. He was on a boat. Jesus was a boater. He had a boat. Well, he borrowed boats anyway. Close enough. He didn't need to own one. It's all his anyway. He said, let me borrow your boat. Hmm? Because of the generosity of this church, lives have been changed. I just wanted to pause real quick to remind you. Sometimes you need reminded of what you're a part of, that what you're a part of is bigger than the part you play. You're a part of the kingdom of God. Over 8,000 people saying yes to Jesus in a six-year period. 
Come on, can we give God praise for everything that he's done so far? Now, that took up eight minutes of my time. I need y'all to rewind the... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We got another service. Here's what I want you to know today. The world wants you and I to serve money. Wants you to serve money. Wants you to worship money. It wants you to be consumed with money. And so we're, we're talking about the subject of money. Let's look at what Jesus says Uh, Whenever you find the words in red, pay attention to the red letters. Hello. Pay attention. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve. What? Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Let's read the last line together. Ready? Read. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus knew. He knew that money would be the number one competitor of our hearts. That's why he talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. He knew that it would grab a hold of us if we allow it to. He knew it would control our lives. He knew it would uh, cause us to make wrong decisions that hurt those we're closest to. He knew it would be the number one competitor for our hearts. And this is just one of many scriptures where he's talking about you cannot serve both God and money. Why? Because money does this. It promises what only God can provide. Money promises what only God can provide. And two main thoughts on that are this. It promises happiness and security, doesn't it? Happiness and security. Now, in the kingdom, we know that it's all about joy, right? Joy is a constant, right? This world says, if you want to be happy, and I get what they, the world says when they say that, but the happy part, the new car smell wears off, right? The vacation is over, and now we're not happy, but we still have joy if we have Jesus, because he's a constant in our life, and when you realize you've been saved, you've been set free, that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins, you have the joy, and that is your strength in life. Nehemiah said it, the joy of the Lord is my strength, okay? But the world, money promises happiness and security. Happiness. I'd be happy if I had more, if I had a bigger this, a bigger house, bigger car, if I could go on more vacations, if I could go out to eat more, if I could buy more clothes. And then you get all this and you realize true joy only comes from serving Jesus. Security. Security. If I made enough, I'd feel secure. If I just made more, I would feel secure. If I, if I had enough money, then all my problems would go away. Hmm? I wouldn't have to worry about the future. I wouldn't have to worry about the what-ifs of life. I wouldn't have to worry. I'd feel secure. But then you realize only God can give you true security. How many know if you had more money doesn't mean that you could have more peace and more joy? Because you can't buy those things. Actually, in Proverbs, it says you got more money, you got more problems. No, that wasn't in Proverbs. I get my hip-hop references mixed up. I'm sorry. Because money promises what only God can provide. Hmm? Well, I would never serve money. I mean, that, that, this is a hard thing for me to swallow. Like, you're telling me I serve money? but we all have. Let's take a test. You didn't know you were going to take a test. It's okay. Let's take a test. How many have ever bought something you did not need? If your neighbor's hand's not up, they are what's called a liar. 
special room across the street. How many have ever compromised your integrity for the sake of financial gain? Not too many. Four honest people. I got my hand up. Now, everybody's going to get off the train on this one. How many have ever lied about your kid's age at a theme park or a buffet? <laughs> Me? 20 honest people. The rest of you is so perfect. You should have the microphone strapped on your ear. How about this? How many have ever ordered a cup of water and got a Coke? The Bible says it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's those small areas that we think aren't a big deal that are. I remember when the Holy Spirit convicted me of the water cup and the Coke, and I dumped the Coke out and got water. <laughs> Asked for lemons to make lemonade for my kids. Come on, somebody. The lemons and sugar are free, y'all. You've got to think smarter. Come on. We've all been at a place where we serve money. How many cheated a, just a little, just a little on your taxes in order to get a bigger return? Because of money. We love money. We, we love, Jesus knew this would be the number one competitor of our heart. So we have to talk about it because Jesus talked about it more than any subject. But the church is silent on it. Oh, we don't want to talk about people's money. They, say, they told us in Bible college, be careful we talk about people's money, people's kids, and people's sex life. Everybody get off the train on that. Don't talk about my kids. Don't talk about my sex life or lack thereof. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise God. Let's keep moving. We've all served money to try to gain happiness and security. We've all been there. So Jesus knew. He said, listen, you will either serve me or money, be devoted to me or money, but you cannot serve both. We say it like this. We serve God and money serves us. My money isn't controlling me, I'm controlling it. I am a steward of the finances God has given me, and he expects me to be a good steward, a good manager of that which he has given me. Who gave it to me? God gave it to me. God gave me the job I have. God gave me the education I have. God gave me the car I have, the house I have. It all comes from God because he created it all, and he created you too, by the way. So when we see money and possessions and finances in the light of it all came from God, then we put ourselves in alignment with God's financial plan. That's the first step. If you can't acknowledge that and you think, it's me, I work hard, I did this. Well, the Bible has a few things to say about that too. We'll get into that in the later weeks. But let's look at what Paul says. Look at this, 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the source of all kinds of evil. Now in the church world, we've screamed this for many years, money's evil. Right? Oh, all these rich people, they're evil. They got nice houses. They, if they drive this car, they, they must be evil. That's not what the scripture says. What does it say, church? For the love, love of money. When you worship money, when you're serving money, that's where not just evil, all source of, sources of evil, all kinds of evil, it says. Some have been so eager to have it, money, that they have wandered away from the faith and have broken their hearts with many sorrows. Let's put that scripture on the refrigerator and quote it every morning. Yeah. Said nobody in the church. Now, Paul is talking to Christians, right? Because if they wandered from the faith, that means they were in the faith. 
Are you with me, church? If, if they wandered from the faith, they were in the faith, and they've broken their hearts with many sorrows. Not only their hearts, but everybody who's connected to them, their kids, their family, their spouse. They've wandered away all because of the love of money. Well, I just don't make that much. I don't have that much, so that couldn't happen to me. There's not a certain dollar amount that says it. When you get this certain amount, then you'll fall in love with money and all kinds of evil and broken hearts and all. No, no, no. It says when you fall in love with it, it, it can happen to you. It can happen to you. And, uh, you know, no one ever says, man, um, I want to fall in love with money so I can just open myself up to all kinds of evil. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome to have my heart broken and my kids and my spouse and, and uh, you know, my family all messed up and I just want to fall away from God, man. That, that would be the goal of my life. How many came to church saying that? Nobody. But can I tell you, I know many people who didn't have much money, they got money and they wandered from the faith. They've fallen away from God. They're no longer serving God. People who were involved in ministry, some full-time ministry, and now money is their master. I have seen money destroy families when a loved one passes away. Destroy them to the point where siblings aren't talking, to the point where family members don't even communicate, to the point where they say, I'm taking this to the grave because of what they did. Hmm? Money can destroy you. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus gave us a warning light, an indicator light. You, you can ignore the warning light on your car for a season until you're off to the side of the road. And Jesus said, hey, 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 warning. Listen, this world is going to try to pull you. Come on. Dad, you're going you're gonna to have the pull of let's just work seven days a week and miss your whole child, your, your kid's life. All because you can have more things and buy more things and buy bigger houses. And, and God's not opposed to any of that. But when the things control you and have you and you worship it and you're missing out on leading your people, leading your family to the house of God and being at your son's ball game, you're missing out, right? You're missing out on it. Cause many sorrows. Anybody ever watch that show, uh, Lottery Winners Gone Broke? I seen one, a guy won $315 million. It was gone in two years. Yeah, what? Just give me a million of it and I'll make 5 million in a year with it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Many sorrows. And so, so God's financial plan is different. And so the remainder of our time, 10 minutes and four seconds, I'm gonna give you three indicators of people who love and serve money because here's the question all of us should be asking right now, am I in love with money? Am I serving money? So these three indicators should shine some light on that. And then we're going to say a prayer and ask God to help us in this area because it can be challenging living in this world, can it? It can be very challenging. I admit it. And so the first indicator is this. They never have enough. People who worship and serve money, they never have enough. It's never enough. Look at Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never what? It's up there. Whoever loves money never what? 
Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. If you love it and you serve it, you'll never be satisfied. Well, if I could just make 50,000, to some people that's a lot of money, and you get to 50,000, but it's not enough. Well, if I could just make 75,000 a year, man, that would be awesome, man. I could do so much and go so many places and we get there and it's not enough. Well, if I could just make 100,000, that's a lot of money. If I could get there and we do and it's not enough because we're serving it, it's not serving us. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I could just go on two vacations a year, it won't be enough. It'll never be enough. I know people with dual incomes that make a lot of money, but they still don't have enough. Why? They've never lined up with God's financial plan for their lives. So they're living far beyond their means, buying things they don't need to impress people they don't like or don't even know them, right? Living lifestyles they can't afford. It's never enough when you're serving money. Never enough. This is a number one indicator if you're worshiping at the feet of money. The disadvantage to this is when the things you possess start to possess you. I know it's a hard message to swallow, a hard series, really. The disadvantage is when the things you possess start to possess you and then you kick into this mode of, I gotta work my finger to the bone because I need more stuff. I need more things. Or you buy, buy, buy because it's never enough. It's just never enough. Or you go on trips and more trips and more trips because it's never enough. And some do this as a way of escape because there's some deep-hearted issues that they've never really dealt with. So I, if I could just be on the move, if I could just go on trips, if I could just buy things, and it, 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 it will, uh, we, we wrongly think it'll fill that void in our hearts, but it doesn't. It leaves us empty, and it leaves the appetite for more stuff within us, and we're always hungry. We're always hungry for the next thing. And this culture tells us, you work hard, hustle, right? When the richest man in the world says, I work seven days a week, 15-hour days, that's why I'm where I'm at. When that is our motto for the richest man in the world, right, then we all, oh, yeah, we got to do that. What about your family? What about your kids that you only have for one life? What about the spiritual inheritance? Well, I'm leaving a big financial. That's great, but what about the spiritual inheritance? Hmm? So remember, money promises only what God can provide. That's the first indicator. If I'm serving money, I never have enough. The second indicator, as we're all examining our hearts to see if we're worshiping money, is this. They find it increasingly difficult to give, people who worship money. They find it increasingly difficult to give. Stats show the more money people make, the less they give. The less they give. Jesus talked about it a lot in the Gospels. A few stories. Number one, the poor widow woman, um, it was offering time in the church and Jesus was looking at what people were given. Well, okay. All you fat cats just throwing in a little bit. And this poor widow woman, by the way, Jesus always looks at what you're given, by the way. Yeah, because it's a heart issue. He doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. Anyway, that was just inserted there, just a little bit. 
All you guys gave all that. This poor widow woman gave more than you guys. You'll never miss what you gave, he told them. He told these rich people, you'll never miss. But she gave extravagantly, even though it looked little, she gave her all. Jesus calls them out in the middle of the church service. Basically like, hey, y'all, empty your wallets. Y'all are a bunch of cheapskates, right? Jesus said. And then we, the rich fool, we talked about him a little bit last week, but he was so rich that he's like ran out of rooms. Like I got all these barns and they're all full of my riches. What do I do? I'm just going to build bigger barns to keep my riches. And uh, he wasn't thinking about others. He wasn't thinking about those less fortunate. And this is what, what, what Luke says about that. Luke chapter 12, look at this. But God said to him, you fool. How many know if God calls you a fool, you're in trouble? Uh, don't get by that person that God calls a fool. I wouldn't want to be by them. Um, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Watch this. This is how it will be whoever stores up things for who? Themselves, but is not rich toward God. Oh, when I seen this, I got excited. I'm about to tell you why I got excited. But I need to tell you this first. Jesus wasn't mad that he was rich. Hmm? That, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. But that he was serving riches. He was worshiping. And he says, when you store up things just for yourself, you're not rich toward God. And I got, I, I got this. I, I seen this this week. Um, some of you are so rich towards God, it's not even funny. Like according to culture and world standard, you may not be considered rich, but you're rich towards God because you're there. And the first part of your income goes to God's house. And you say, let me get involved in, in dollar of hope and let me get involved in missions and let me help out those who are less fortunate in my neighborhood. And whenever you see a need, you're willing to give. And it's not about the dollar amount. It's about your heart posture that you say, I am a conduit in which the blessings of God can flow through in order to help others. You are rich rich toward God, and you don't even know it. That get me excited. But the enemy wants us to be poor towards God and to worship money. So he tells us things like this. Keep your money for you, right? I mean, you got bills to pay. You got needs in your life. Don't, don't be a blessing to others. And if you don't take care of you, nobody will take care of you. Come on. No, no, no. If you take care of God in his house, God will always take care of you. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. That means your kids are never going to have to beg because you put God first. You're rich towards God. Are you hearing this today? I know it sounds like we're closing, but we're not because I still got a couple more points. <laughs> He's just making it sound that way. And then I was thinking about a story um, in Matthew 21. You, you remember when Jesus was about ready to make his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday? You remember that? The Sunday before he would be crucified, or the week before he would be crucified on that Friday. And he told his disciples, I need you to go to Jerusalem. You're going to find a donkey tied. And I need you to get that donkey. Jesus knew where the donkey was. He knew which point it was tied to and all this because he's Jesus. He knows it all. And if anybody asks you, he says, what you're doing, tell them the Lord has need of this donkey. Tell them the Lord has need of it. And I, as I was studying this this week, 
I've seen this common theme throughout the Bible of God saying, I need something from my creation. I need something. And I thought, in what universe does the God of creation need anything from you and I to do what he wants to accomplish here on earth? Like, did he really need the five loaves and the two fishes when he asked for them? Did he really need the widow's might? Money from a widow? Did he really need their worship? Did he really need their generosity? Did he really need Joseph's tomb for a couple days? And did he really need the donkey to ride in on Palm Sunday? I mean, he could have entered Jerusalem anyway. Why choose a donkey? He is God, Jesus, the Son of God, all-powerful, all-knowing, I mean, he could have called a 10,000 angels and flew into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday like he was Iron Man or Peter Pan or something. You know what I'm saying? Think with me. He's God Almighty. He can do. He could have just thought and been transported just like that. Why do I see this common theme throughout the Bible that the Lord needs something from his creation? Why do I always find him telling me, bring me this and watch what I'll do with it? Why is he inviting us to be written into the story of heaven through our generosity? Think about this. Think about this. To ask you and I who he created to borrow something or to need something that he already owns. He's doing it so he can use it to save a soul, to set a captive free, to forgive a sin, to change the world. God says, I invite you to the table. God has something you have. He needs it so you can be a part of writing life-changing stories in heaven. He needs you and I. He needs you to serve. He needs you to give. He needs you to be light shining in the dark world that we live in. He needs you. He needs you and he invites us in. And when I see this, when I see this revelation, I will not find it difficult to give anymore because I get to be a part of writing stories of life change through my giving. I'm a part of it. I'm connected to it. God does his part, provides. I do my part to give. It's all part of the redemption story. And my mind has to go there as a preacher. Think about the owner of the donkey, how he was written in the story of redemption, all because the Lord had need of that donkey. Think about your life. Think about you. Your life is like a seed. God says, I need your life in order for a harvest to come. I need it. There, there are people that are sitting here today because you sowed towards that $20,000 gift. They're sitting here today because the Lord had need of it so that he could bring them into the kingdom of God. We may not be in this building. We may not be in Westfield today. Third week in a row, we broke record attendance. Three salvations in Westfield today. New families come. We may not have reached them. If you wouldn't have said, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. 
What do you want me to do, Lord? You have need of me? Count me in. Count me in. Third indicator as we close of those people who love and serve money is this. They have money in the bank, but no peace in their hearts. I don't know of a time where we as Christians need the peace of God in our hearts. So much turmoil, so much division, so much hate. Let not be the Christians walking around trying to find peace. When the Prince of Peace said, I live in you. Peace, be still and know that I am God. People who worship money, they got a lot of money but no peace in their hearts. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better to have a little with a lot of God than to have a lot with no God. Better to have a little peace than a lot of chaos and turmoil and being miserable. Have you ever met some miserable, wealthy people? Hmm? Tells you you can't buy peace. You can't buy joy. Hmm? What happens if we're not careful? You and I wrongly believe that money is the answer to our problems. We say it all the time. If I just had more money. If I just have more money, I could do this. I could buy this. I could go there. If I just have more money. And this is when money is controlling us and we're serving it. But money and more money isn't the answer to your problems. More of Jesus is what we need. He's the answer to what you're searching for. Because friend, more money will not keep your kids off drugs. More money will not heal someone who's sick. You can't buy a healing. More money won't heal your marriage, give you a better marriage. More money will not fill that void in your heart. More money will not give you peace. More money will not take away depression and anxiety. Only Jesus can do that because Jesus is the one that transforms our life and gives us his peace. So friends, we don't serve money. We serve God and money serves us. The world wants us to serve money, but we make the choice. We're going to serve God. And we're going to be stewards over that which he has blessed us with. Because one day we'll be held accountable for that. All of us. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to say it empty-handed. Yes, he wants you blessed. Man, I can't tell you how... Any good father wants their children blessed. And on Father's Day, your heavenly father wants you blessed. Do you know he wants you to enjoy life? He wants you to enjoy that stuff. Boat, camper, motorcycle. He wants you to enjoy it. It's not evil. Some of you grow up in a church. Oh, it's evil. That's the devil. Oh, it's how you use it. It's your posture of heart towards those things. It's a house to me, honestly. It's a car to me. I've had a lot of them. Doesn't mean nothing to me. Because one day when I leave this earth, it ain't going with me. You know what's going with me? The spiritual legacy that I leave. The financial legacy that I leave. 
because I'm still going to be writing heaven stories after I leave. Are you? You can be when you serve God. Amen. When you put him first, bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to us and Lord, each of us examine our hearts right now. We examine our hearts to make sure we're not serving money and things and possessions. But we want to serve you. We want to put you first. You said, put me first. And all the things that you desire and want will be added unto you. So Lord, we know you want to bless us when our heart is in the right position. When our mindset is that we're called to be a conduit which the blessings flow through, not a reservoir that hoards everything. We're called to allow that blessing to flow through us to other people's lives that some people came to know you as Lord and Savior because of a letter they got that their medical debt was paid off. (laughs) That you use money (laughs) to bring your lost kids home. We're so grateful. You're here today and you're far from God. I want to say a prayer with you in just a moment. A prayer inviting Jesus into your heart. Really is the most important prayer that you could ever pray right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never truly surrendered your heart to God, today is your day. And we want to be a part of this big decision in your life. So if you're far from God, if you've been searching for answers, if you've been trying to fill that void with a substance or a relationship or things and stuff. Today, I want you to know that Jesus, you have a God-sized void in your heart that only Jesus can fill. As you invite him in, he comes in and he begins to change you from the inside out. It's your first step of many steps that this church is going to walk with you through as you become more like him. While every head is bowed and eyes are closed, you're here today and you say, Jacob, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ for the very first time or I need to rededicate my life. I've fallen away. This last year has been challenging and I went back. I went back to using. I went back to that relationship. I went back to places that I haven't been to in a long time. But today I wanna recommit my life to Jesus. Before we pray, I just wanna see who... I'm talking to today. If you say, Jacob, that's me, include me in on this prayer. I want you to throw up your hand right now. That's you all over. We're not here to embarrass you. Thank you. We're not here to make you stand up or anything like that. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Throw up your hand and then you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Awesome. Anyone else want to be included? Let's pray, church. Everybody say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. As my personal Lord and Savior, I believe you died upon the cross for my sins. I repent of those sins, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Somebody rejoice. Come on, heaven is rejoicing today. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. 
See you next week.